The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're going to have a conversation about healing our communities. We will be discussing how to invest positive energy into others and how that leads to healing for both individuals and their communities. My guest, Dr. Gregory Chris Brown, is an expert in gangs and why people join them. Dr. Brown is an associate professor of criminal justice at California State University, Fullerton. After receiving his PhD in social ecology from the University of California at Irvine. In 1990, with an emphasis in criminology, his first teaching job was at UC Santa Barbara. From there, he was hired as an assistant professor of criminal justice at Chapman University in Orange, California, from 91 to 97. And then he taught at California Youth Authority in Whittier for three years and worked part-time at California State University Fullerton from 2003 to 2005. His research has focused on white-collar crime, taggers, prisons, and gangs. Presently, he is conducting research on gangs and the social media and African-American original gang members in Los Angeles. He grew up in Los Angeles, in Watts, and completed his undergraduate education at UC Santa Cruz with a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology. His hobbies include horseback riding, skiing, playing dominoes, ping pong, and pickup basketball games. Welcome, Dr. Brown. Good morning. Thank you. I'm so glad to have a chance to talk to you about some of these issues today. And I have to say, as I was preparing the show, you know, people around me always say, oh, who's your guest this week? And what are you going to be talking about? And when I told him, some of the uh, responses I get were like, well, why are you talking about gangs? And I have to say that, you know, I think it's such an important topic on many different levels in terms of social injustice, in terms of, of uh, you know, major problems in one part of our community, I think it impacts all of us. And then I think also there are elements of humanity and healing that we all have in common. It doesn't matter our circumstances. So that was my thought. But, you know, you're the expert on gangs. Tell me, why do you think we should all talk about gangs? I think the primary reason is, first and foremost, gang members are people, and we often get caught up in the label of gang, gangs, and we forget that. We demonize them, and we make them horrible creatures, and I understand partially why that is the case. Uh, gang members and gang crime accounts for a majority of criminal activity, and we often see the negative stuff associated with gangs, but there are a lot of reasons why people get involved in gangs. And every gang member is not a killer. So mm-hmm. we really have to look at it seriously because it, gangs and gang crime is a serious societal problem and it can't be ignored. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, recently, uh, several months ago, I read a book, Ghetto Side by Jill Levy. Have you uh, by chance heard of that? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Yeah, it, it was, um, to me, it was fascinating. It's a, a true st- it's nonfiction, but it reads like riveting novel. And I was so shocked because, you know, I live in Southern California, and, and her story takes place in, in Los Angeles, and she reports on crime in the African-American communities. And, of course, a lot of it involves gangs. And I, I, I was stunned to realize the depth and degree of the problem that, you know, I think I'm reasonably well-read. I read two newspapers. I think I know what's going on. I didn't know what was going on. 
Um, there's so much that is there that I had no idea about. Games are widespread. As you know, I grew up in Watts, and I have been a victim of gang crimes, and, and I grew up with gang members. So when I went to college, one of the first things I wanted to know is what are researchers saying about gang members and people like me? And I was fascinated to read some of the theories about why people join gangs. For example, one of the longest uh, theories that have existed is social disorganization. And in effect, what it says is the community is the cause of these gang problems. For example, poverty, uh, single-parent households, uh, unemployment, joblessness, and all these things contribute to delinquent behavior and, and by extension, gang activity. And I understood that it made sense, but there are other theories that didn't make as, as much sense, like strain theory. And it said that People feel societal pressures, and because of their feelings of pressure, they turn to gangs. And I didn't really see that as Mm -hmm. having a lot of relevance. But then there was Mm -hmm. another theory that I I really appreciated called control theory. And in effect, what it was saying is that you can look at people's place in society. For example, if they have attachment to positive things like school, uh, extracurricular activities, church, they're much less likely to be involved in negative behavior than people who don't have attachments to positive mm-hmm. things. And, and that really resonated with me because mm-hmm. I know a lot of gang members, they dropped out of school, they started smoking cigarettes and, and drinking and doing drugs at an early age, as well as hanging around with people that were into negative activities. And, of course, they were involved in negative activity. So I, I definitely understand why people get in gangs and, and the allure of it because it was always the gang members that had the money, the girls, mm-hmm. and the cars. And right. I mean, what young man doesn't want that, especially if you come from a poor, low-income family? Mm-hmm. And if you don't see many options for getting it in any other way. Well, yes, of course, that's true. And oftentimes... All they see is what's in front of them. And that's part learning theory, too. You see Mm -hmm. stuff and and, and you learn from people you interact with. It's not surprising that more people, so many people involved in games, because that's all they know. It's normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, certainly from a a perspective of of psychology, people want to belong. You know, oh, they, they want to belong. They want to feel like they fit in and they have a, a group, a family, whatever you want to call it. They want to belong. And, and that's really what the gang promotes. I mean, they tell you that you're part of their family. And oftentimes these, you don't have any positive outlet. And the gang is that outlet. I mean, they're told that they're loved. They have camaraderie, friendship. I mean, it, a protection. It really has that allure of the good life. Of course it's not, but that's the impression that these youth are giving them. And once you're in, a lot of them can't see beyond what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that, that someone is looking out for them, I think. I mean, especially when they're young, when you're a kid, even more so than as an adult, you, you want to have the feeling that someone has your back and that somebody cares about you enough to look out for you. And that's, and that's what gangs present themselves as. It's really... It's really exciting, it's friendship, I got your back. That's important to youth, very important. Right. I mean, I think there's so many elements that, you know, we see that are important to all of us. I mean, we all want to belong. We all want to have a place that's ours where people get us, they understand us, and they want to be with us. And if you don't have the elements that you mentioned earlier, like a strong family or a strong faith, where do you turn? You know, what options are there? Not many, I think. And you're absolutely right. And understand that the gangs exist everywhere, mm-hmm. but they're much more prevalent in poor minority communities. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. Right. I mean, I think um, I, I've had the opportunity in recent weeks to to do some work with populations I don't normally see and that don't normally come into my office. And it 
sometimes seems hopeless when you see people in some of the circumstances that one could understand why they would wind up doing what they do or one can understand why they wind up in gangs because there doesn't seem to be much else available or any other, I'm sorry, any other way out. And that's absolutely right. I spoke with the Superior Court judges in Los Angeles about six years ago and one of the things I was trying to explain to them is when you have these youth who grew up in a neighborhood, the culture is different. So, for example, where I live in Orange County, people are willing to work with the police and help the police, but in poor urban areas, if you work with the police, you're, you're going to be labeled a snitch. Mm-hmm. And being labeled a snitch has dire consequences. You, you and your family could face serious bodily injury, even death. So right. it's not in the youth's best interest to cooperate with the police because mm-hmm. it could cost them their life. And it's really important for the powers to be to understand that. It's like you think of them as uncooperating witnesses or even participants because they didn't come forward, but there are consequences if they come forward, and they're truly afraid to come forward. <laughs> and, and I think that's certainly understandable. And also, sometimes the consequences can go on for years. Uh, one of the things I learned from that the ghetto side book was that, you know, a crime may have occurred last week, last month, but the cross prosecution can take forever. And that person is at risk that entire time. You know, where are they going to go? How are they going to live? How are they going to manage when there aren't resources to, to, to help them? You're absolutely so, right. And the sad thing about it is that Often the police are seen as an occupying force, and they come in very handy, heavy-handed, and their whole idea is suppression. If they did a little more intervention and prevention and start a little more community-oriented policing and have positive relationships with people in the community, I think things would be very different. Yeah, I'm sure you're right about that. There's so many variables that are, I think, important for all of us to understand in that equation as well. We're getting ready to take a short break here, and we're going to go to break with a little bit of an old song from Donny Hathaway called The Ghetto. We'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Gregory Chris Brown. Be right back. Yes, this is the ghetto. Shown up now. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you happy in your life, or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking today with my guest, Dr. Gregory Chris Brown from Cal State Fullerton, and he is helping us learn more about gangs and how we can all heal our communities. You know, um, I know, Dr. Brown, that you, like you said, you grew up in Watts, and you escaped, you know, you escaped gang life. You didn't fall victim to some of these forces that we're talking about. So well, how'd you get out? What, what's your story about that? Well, you know, of course I was being recruited and what separated me from a lot of my friends was that I really liked school and I was quote unquote smart. Mm-hmm. So I was able to help some of the boys that were in gangs and try to steal them away. I think one of the, the biggest reasons, though, I was very afraid of my mother. My mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good reason to avoid trouble. <laughs> I, I was born to a uh, 13 year When I was born, my mother was 13 years old and got mm-hmm. married at 16. But mm-hmm. she had a strong, strong, very uh, disciplinary outlook on life. And mm-hmm. it really, it, I was afraid of her. And mm-hmm. when I grew up, it was a time where you really were raised by the community. I mean, mm-hmm. I would get spankings, and I'm not advocating spankings, but it mm-hmm. definitely saved me my fear of being spanked. Mm-hmm. And she really taught me to respect women, to respect the church, and to not be a follower, to, to do what was right. And it really just had a very, very positive impact on my life. I think that in many ways, even though she was she wasn't a high school graduate, she couldn't help me after I got to middle school. She gave me the foundational values to mm-hmm. want to make a positive contribution to life. And, and that's been my outlook. You know, I, I, I love people and I can interact with anybody, whether it's Supreme Court justice or a prostitute or drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And I don't judge people. I mean, that's really critical because people see that I'm a genuine, gregarious, social person. And... I, I just get have very positive interactions with people, and I think it's because of who I am, and I'm, I'm a sincere and original person, so mm-hmm. it helps a lot having my background. Most people do not believe that I'm a college professor and have a Ph.D. because I don't try to project that. I was at church one day, and a young woman said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a college professor. She, college professor. she said, no way, Chris Brown. I said, what do you mean, no way? She said, you don't act like a college professor. <laughs> I would take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, offhanded, where was a compliment? <laughs> yeah, we love our college professors, but they're, um, they do have, uh, you know, a, a reputation of maybe being a little more staid, a little more reserved than Chris Brown does. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. So really, your your mom, in spite of the fact that when you were born, she was just really a kid herself, she gave you a really powerful foundation from which to, to move out into the world and find your way with education. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. And and while she didn't, like my great-grandmother, who I live with in Shreveport, Louisiana, she was illiterate. She couldn't read or write. And we went to cash a check, and a young man told her to put her mark on the check, and that was an X. Mm-hmm. And I was just so fascinated that she couldn't read or write, but it kind of scared me because when the man was counting out her money, as a little kid, I'm thinking, well, does she know how much money she's getting? I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to grow up and know how to read and write because I don't want anybody to cheat me out of my money, right? <laughs> right, right. That's pretty powerful, though. That is yes, really powerful. Was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it was. So, so you obviously wanted to start with education pretty early on, you know? Yes. If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, what what advice would you have to people who who are wondering about? Gee, do I need a college education? today's world, what, what advice would you give them? I would strongly encourage everyone to get an education, especially kids going through K-12, K through 12, because mm-hmm. that is the foundation. I, 
education has really changed my life. I would not be the person I am today without my college education. It, it, it has expanded my horizons way beyond what I believed I would be able to achieve. And without an ed- especially in today, without mm-hmm. an education, you're not going to be able to successfully live. And what I mean by that is you want to have a living wage. You want to be able to take care of yourself and your family. And there are many people without a formal education able to do that. There are exceptions. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, your education is correlated with your income. So I strongly right. encourage people to get an education. After I finished my Ph.D., I went back to school to get a teacher credential. I didn't finish it, but I, I'm a lifelong learner. And I mm-hmm. think that people to really appreciate and understand that education is important. It's something that once you get, no one can ever take it away from you. Right. And, you know, I've never, ever heard anyone say, gee, I'm sorry I finished school. (laughs) You know, I've heard many people say, gee, I wish I would have finished school. I wish I had stuck with it. But I've never heard anybody say, oh, I'm so sorry I got that degree. That's true. And I know that it's changed my life, and, you know, I compare myself to my relatives. I was the first one in my family to attend a four-year college university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as was I, yeah. And the ones that did not attend school, many of the males have a criminal history, mm-hmm. and I think it's because they did not focus on their education. Many of them are semi-literate and just are not really positive contributing members to society. The ones that did go to school, they graduated from high school, are working and taking care of themselves. The ones that didn't are not. Right, right. You know, it's one of the things that I think is really important about uh, getting an education is it's intangible. You know, everybody focuses, well, how much money am I going to make? Can I get a job? And that's important. No question about it. But I think what an education really does for people is teach them how to think. And yeah. That's what we need. We need people, especially we need voters who can think. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, it reminds me of a story. When I was young, uh, in graduate school, a young uh, man I know, he was selling dope. And he said, uh, what are you getting a a Ph.D. for? And I said, I I, want to become a professor. And he said, how much money are you going to make? I didn't know how much money I was going to make, but I told him, oh, I hope I make $50,000. And he said, what? That's no money. I can make that in a month selling dope. So the same person that told me that still mm-hmm. lives in the neighborhood. He's older than me, and he lives with his mom, and he's been to prison. So Yeah, so much for that. <laughs> but also, you know, you might make 50000 one month, but you might be dead the next month. Exactly, and that's true. That it's a true cost of uh, living the street life and trying to hustle. It's not, it's not anything I want to teach my children. Right. There's no job security in that. That's for sure. No, it's definitely not a positive thing to do. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of those fundamental values, if if we can. Um, the importance of faith and um, the importance of the, it's a cliche, love your brother. But I think some of the things that we're talking about are really fundamental with respect to that, both in the gangs and, and otherwise. Yes, it is. And one of the biggest allures of gang participation is that the gangs tell you that, hey, we're your family, we're going to love you, we're going to protect you. And people buy into that. And it's sad because, yeah, they'll love you and protect you when you're able to do something for the gang. But once you go to prison or jail, they don't put any money on your books, they don't visit you, and it's really sad. And. Mm-hmm. These youth just don't understand they're young and they're, they're forming their ideas and they don't appreciate the consequences of that negative behavior. And I think that, that that's something that if we do more intervention and more prevention, if we can convey this message to these youth that gangs are not positive, that, it, that there are real negative consequences associated with it, I think we'll be able to prevent more youth from participating in gang activity. And, you know, when... when People are in gangs, and it seems to me, from a naive, you know, outsider point of view, that there are, are so many messages they're constantly bombarded with that 
um, tell them that this is bad behavior, this is dangerous behavior, you could lose your life. But that doesn't seem to resonate in a and way you know, that... know, it's really sad, and that's so true. A lot of these youth, they think that they're invulnerable, that they can't mm-hmm. be killed. And the saddest part of it is some of them don't believe that they will be killed or can be killed, and they don't care if they die. I've heard you say, I don't care if I die. Hey, I was one of those youth that didn't believe I would live to see 25. And think mm-hmm. about it. If you don't believe you're going to live to see 25, you're going to do the craziest things in the world. And a lot of those youth have that mentality. They don't care if they live or die. So if they don't care if they live or die, they don't care if they take someone else's life. Yeah. You know, it's like that. I mean, that's about as fundamentally impoverished that you can that you can get, you know, in terms of psychological impoverishment and and having no hope. That's what it comes down to, no hope. And there's a lot of hopelessness in poor urban areas in America. They have no jobs, they, they have poor schools, they have poor nutrition, and there many times there are not many positive male role models. And I mean it's a recipe for disaster and we have a the disaster in many poor urban areas, and it doesn't have to be that way. Well, it, it seems like, you know, poverty is really at the root of a number of these these issues. If people had a way to make a, a living wage or people had a, a way to survive, take care of their families, um, you know, they might not be as needy when it comes to turning to uh, alternative influences. Yes, and one of the things that... that in my research, when I talk to the OG gang members, a lot of them are saying, hey, give us jobs, give us jobs, give us jobs. I think if there were more jobs available, youth would like to make money. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. one of the motivators why they get involved in illegal behavior because they want to make money. If we gave them decent jobs, for example, when I was a youth during the summers, they would have uh, team post jobs and the government, federal government would give them grants to provide jobs for the youth. The youth mm-hmm. that were working were not getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were working. Think about yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, we're getting ready to take another short break here, and we're going to go to break with a little bit of an old soul song, The Ghetto. We'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Gregory Chris Brown. Be right back. on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own mighty gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking today with my guest, Dr. Gregory Chris Brown from Cal State Fullerton. He's an expert on gangs and criminal violence, and he's helping us understand what are the elements, the basic human elements and needs that maybe some of the gang members have that we all have, and how we can see there are common humanity and heal our communities. So, Dr. Brown, maybe we can talk a little bit about community service. Okay. Um, how would that be? I'm involved in this organization called the Southern California Ceasefire Committee, and it, it's an organization that consists of former gang members. Uh, we call them OGs, original gangsters. Law enforcement, clergy, community activists, and others. And what they're trying to do is eliminate violence in Southern California. A lot of it is gang violence. That's and, a big goal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But, but I think it, it's attainable. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, because think about it. It's these original gangsters that were the ones that started the, the Crips and the Bloods, and they're, they're the ones that have served time. Uh, they know the people that are involved in, in the gang activity, and they really can have an impact as, as gang interventionists. Now, the problem is... Is that because the kids will listen to them? Yeah, they will listen to them because they have, they have street credibility, mm-hmm. and they're able to get at them more so than any other group but what the problem is is that law enforcement in many instances don't trust the gang interventions. The command staff has bought in, but the cop on the street is very wary of working with people who have criminal backgrounds that have been to prison. And if they get the beat cop to buy in and, and start working with these interventions, as LAPD has started to do, mm-hmm. there's a lot of progress. There was a... Uh, 100 days, 100 nights oh, yeah. on the internet recently. Mm-hmm. And what it was saying was that the gangs were going to kill 100 gang members in 100 days. Because of the gang interventionists, they found out that it really was a hoax, that there was not this 100 murders going to happen in 100 days. But, but it caused so much fear in the community that people were afraid that everybody was going to be a target. It's because of organizations like the Southern California Peace Bond Committee that they were able to go out there and eliminate the rumors to tell people what was really going on. And we need more participation like that. We need people to go that are involved in these gangs or have been involved in these gangs to be willing to step out. We need to go beyond just the vigils and, and, and arresting people to community action. We need to get people in the community to step up and say, hey, enough is enough. Parents need to grab their children and say, you need to stop participating in this. Because it really is genocide in many ways, Dr. Santa Cola. We have black people killing black people. We have Mexicans killing Mexicans, Asians killing Asians. And it doesn't, you don't see it on on the TV. And almost like people feel like we are, we are not valued. They don't care about us because we're getting killed in these communities every day and we don't see it on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful, powerful message, I think, that needs to be uh, shared with everybody so that, uh, like I, I think I may have mentioned earlier, that when I read more about that issue, I, I was just horrified. I thought, how can this be? And especially, how can it be? And how can it be that no one knows about it? I didn't know. You know? Yeah, and it's not disseminated widely enough. There, there's, there's a lot of positive stuff going on in, in the ghettos and the barrios, but what you mostly hear about is the gangs. And, and I understand that when they're perpetuating these violent criminal acts, we should be aware of it. But because the media exaggerates stuff, it seems like it's a lot more extreme. 
extreme than it is. I mean, mm-hmm. any murder or any loss of life is a bad thing. And, mm-hmm. and we need to do whatever we can to eliminate the gang violence. And that's one thing that Southern California Ceasefire is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And are, are, does that organization or are there other organizations that um, involve just average folks, you know, that, that can get involved to at least learn, become educated or be willing to work with them? Yeah, there are a lot of organizations in L.A., nonprofits, uh, um, Second Call, uh, Project Cry No More, uh, Detours Mentoring Group. I think you can find uh, information about all these groups online. But they're all involved in, in trying to eliminate the game violence. They have the Watch Coalition. They have several groups in and around L.A. that are trying to eliminate this game violence. Mm-hmm. And and are you hopeful about it? Are you hopeful about the work? I'm an optimist. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of work to do. Uh, I don't think we'll ever eliminate gangs or gang violence, but we can at least have an impact on lessening the negative effect of it. You know, we reach one youth and turn them away from gang violence. We we've succeeded, and I think mm-hmm. that it's possible to eliminate. Some of the game balance, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you know we're never going to. Well, I shouldn't say never. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't. I don't expect to anytime soon see a, a, a violence-free world. But um, like you say, I, I think one one person's life makes a matter. It makes a difference and matters. And you know that. If one person can hear this message that they can turn their lives around and there's another way and they can say, okay, well, maybe it's education, maybe it's whatever it may be, maybe it's my faith, maybe it's, um, you know, my family, whatever it, it is that's positive for them, then that's what it's all about. You know, that one person is saved and then that rolls out from there, I think. Yeah, I think so. And, and a lot of it starts with, with the family. Uh, uh, Dr. Santa Cola, if, if these families uh, take responsibility for their children and become active in their their lives, I think it'll it'll go a long way to eliminating some of the negative activity that happens in poor communities. Mm-hmm. They need a strong mama like you had. Yes, and and, mm-hmm. and we do have a lot of strong African American mothers and, and Latino mothers in the in the neighborhood and. and they're doing the best they can, but you know, of course, children will be children, and mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll do they what will. they want to do in their way from the house. Right, um, and they, you know, they ha- are exposed to other influences once they're, certainly by the time they're, you know, 9, 10, you know, and then certainly middle school, off they go. Absolutely, and, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of practitioners and law enforcement are saying that if we don't reach these children before they're 14, they're pretty much lost. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of true. I don't think that we should ever give up on any youth, but if they're mm-hmm. involved in negative activity and you haven't reached them by the time they're teenagers, it, it's a much tougher task to turn them around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need a full full force intervention, I think. You know, And, and we need to get buy-in, not only from law enforcement, but from the schools and from, from these big companies. I mean, they're making so much money out there. They invest that money in the community. I mean, studies have shown that if children get head start, that they're much less likely to be involved in negative behavior than kids that didn't have, like, head start. And mm-hmm. I think education is the key. I think mm-hmm. that if we stress education, if we, if we get schools, law enforcement, family involved, that we could do a lot of positive things in our society. Right. We need to go back to the fundamentals in some ways is what you're saying, you know, that that we need to have those strong families and certainly families of faith. Oh, definitely. And I, I think that when people have a, a strong religious foundation, that they're much less likely to be positive contributing members to society. And that's helped me a lot. I mean, it's my faith that I think has saved me. I know there were many instances that I was almost killed. I've been shot at. People tried to stab me. And I say, but for the will of God, there goes I, because I've been a lot of funerals in my lifetime. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful. And and I think, you know, when when kids are involved in in church activities and, and you know the youth group, then they're automatically exposed to more positive influences, and they have activities to fill up their time. Yeah, I I was a Boy Scout. <laughs> what was huh? interesting about that? Uh, I was a Boy Scout, and I really bought into the program. But the gang members saw us as as a gang. You know, we had colors, we had a name. <laughs> I <remember> um. <laughs> I remember being chased as a kid in my Boy Scout uniform by gang members. Like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, and, and that's another influence that that can be community-based. And I, I'm just not sure how much of it we have anymore. We don't have enough. And, and the sad thing is we have even less of it in poor urban areas. I think that... You know, we get these kids involved in after-school programs and athletics that, you know, it'll definitely have a positive effect on the community. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think athletics is a really powerful influence on a lot of kids. You know, that that sometimes they see that as, well, maybe this is a, a way out of here, or certainly it can keep them in school. Yes. And, you know... America is the greatest country in the world. We, we're just so rich, and I don't think we should give up on, on, on the poor people in our community. In many ways, I think society has turned their back on poor communities, and we see the consequences of those of that negligence in gangs and crime, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's unnecessary. It doesn't have to be this way. Right, I, I agree with you, and and again, it brings us back to the, the poverty and the hopelessness, and you know we can't turn certainly we can't turn our back on, on the poor people, um, you know how many people who are who have risen above that do we have, and you know it just we can't turn our back on any segment of society. I think, just the idea of when you turn your back, that I mean that's not right, no matter what what we think about it. And that's true, and, and I think uh, something that's lost on, on, on a lot of people in society, even in poor, high-crime areas, the vast majority of people are law-abiding, mm-hmm. and we get that sometimes. Right, right, that's certainly true. I mean, we, you know, our attention is always, you know, flagged by these outrageous things that occur, but we, we don't pay adequate attention to the people who go to work every day, who put food on the table, who feed their kids, who do what has to be done to to survive in, in a difficult circumstance sometimes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that, that America is a great society. I think we have a lot of wonderful people in this society. And, and I'm an optimist. I think that things are going to get better, not worse. Mm-hmm. I, I like to, I'm, I'm with you. I like to think so as well. So um, on that positive note, we're getting ready to take another break and uh, we'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Gregory Crispin. Be right back. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. 
future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking today about gang life and some of the healing elements we need to bring to that community as well as, as all communities and all people. Um, and my guest today is Dr. Gregory Chris Brown, an expert from Cal State Fullerton. And I want to really thank you for your time today. I know it's a holiday week for you, Dr. Brown, so I really appreciate your taking the time to spend it with us today. You're welcome. And, you know, if people would like to learn more about your work, how can they get in touch with you? I'll use my email is G as in Gregory at G Brown, G-B-R-O-W-N, at Fullerton.edu. Uh, that's the best way to contact me. My work number is 657-278-2757. Great. Thank you so much. And, you know, speaking of work, can you share with us uh, some of the specifics about your research, and I know you're doing some work, if I'm not mistaken, on on the use of social media in gangs. Uh, yes, can, and how I became interested in this subject, I have a couple grand nieces that reside in L.A., and they got a death threat through Facebook, and it just shocked me because these are 13-year-old girls, and it's like, wow, how extensively do gangs use social media to propagate their message. And when I started my research, I realized that that is the new recruiting tool for gangs, and it's worldwide. Uh, wow. they, they recruit, they talk about their exploits, uh, they put up, up YouTube, they show videos of fights, and it, it, it amazed me, it, it blew me away. I'm old school. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I go back to when they didn't have cell phones today, all mm-hmm. these youth use social media to communicate, and it is mm-hmm. way more widespread than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's not surprising that, you know, that's what we all do, so it, I guess it makes sense at that level, you know, but it, it is uh, quite a wake-up call, I guess. It really is, and law enforcement recognizes that it's a good investigative tool to use social media to see what these gangs are doing. It's like when I was growing up, there was graffiti. Well, mm-hmm. today, there's YouTube, there's, there's uh, Twitter, and all other manner of social media that gangs use as like graffiti, but they mm-hmm. do it through wow. social, social platforms. And so how does one go about studying that? Well, I did a word search uh, to uh, see what was out there, so I'll put in, like, like gangs. And social media, I would list certain gangs like Crips and Bloods and, and various gangs to see uh, what how many hits I got. Some of them got web pages and, and sites. And the, the limitation, though, is that they have privacy uh, things where you have to join them. So that kind of limited what I was able to do. But mm-hmm. if you go out and you do a, a keyword search with gangs and social media, you'll see that they're on the Internet. They're out there. I mean, they have web pages. Uh, go to YouTube and put games, and you'll see it. I mean, it's, it, it's extensive, and it's like the gang newspaper of old. It, instead of having mm-hmm. graffiti, you go online and you check it out. And you wouldn't think, I mean, again, to my naive outsider's view, I would, wouldn't think people would be quite as brazen as putting uh, what I would call criminal activity, like making a death threat, on uh, social media. But... Uh, apparently that's not the case. Well, you know, criminals are not always the smartest people in the world, and neither are gang members. And a lot of it has to do with youth. The brain isn't fully uh, developed, and they don't think about what they do. And some of them don't care about the consequences. So you're going <laughs> to have people that, 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 for what they do, 
It's like, think about it. These youth commit a crime and they videotape it, then somebody upload it. They don't think about the consequences of their actions. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's mind-boggling. <laughs> but it's true. You see it all the time. You know? Yeah. So what do you think, that, in terms of your research, what's next? What do you think well, the next step? What do you want to do? Well, I've also been studying OG gang members, and, and what I've found is that a lot of these people that have, have been in gangs, they want to stop it. They want it to stop it, and, and they, want, they don't want their children involved in it. And, you know, when you talk about street gangs, street gangs really are a youthful phenomenon. So when people get older, they get married, they start working, they tend to gravitate away from the gangs. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something that, 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 <laughs> that we really need to get a grip on because if we don't, I think it, like what's happening in Chicago right now is what mm-hmm. was happening in L.A. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's totally insane. And again, I think it's genocide. It's mm-hmm. people are killing people that look like themselves. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it makes me think of Rwanda, you know, yeah. and the, the genocide there. So it, it's it's difficult it's really difficult to understand and to grasp and you're right we somehow you know we have to be able to understand this and get a handle on it and meet people's needs and again for me it just keeps coming back to the whole idea of of uh hope you know having hope and feeling connected to your brothers whoever they are you know feeling connected to people in a positive way Yes, there is a lot of hopeless, hopelessness out there. And, again, I think it comes down to jobs. We need to provide jobs mm-hmm. and the ability for people to be able to survive. Because without that, we're going to have hopelessness. And hopelessness leads to negative consequences like gangs and crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's certainly true. And it, it's, um, it's a very powerful message. So once again, I thank you for your time today, and I thank you for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us, and I hope we've touched some hearts with it today. Yeah, I pray that that is the case, Dr. Sanicola. Thank you so much, and I hope um, everyone will join me next week as we continue this theme of healing our communities, when my guest will be Dr. Georgia Leap, Professor of Anthropology at UCLA, and we will be discussing her books, Jumped In, What Gangs Talked Me, Taught Me About Violence, Love, Drugs, and Redemption, and her newest book is Project Fatherhood, a story of courage and healing in one of America's most troubled communities. So, and please keep up with show news and visit and like my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Dr. Linda Sanicola. And I want to make certain that I take a moment to wish all of my listeners in the United States Happy Thanksgiving. And today, I leave you with the words of Martin Luther. Everything that is done in the world is done by hope. Thanks for listening. See you all next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week. We'll be right back.